Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm joined by Peter Nicolardi, who is a Senior Manager of Programmatic and Performance Analytics at T-Mobile. Peter, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, so you did a great job there. Uh, got my name right, which is always tricky. Uh, so I'm the Senior Manager of Programmatic and Performance Analytics at, uh, we've been through a name change since we kicked this off, so it's the uh, Marketing Solutions, a division of T-Mobile USA is our official title, which is a mouthful. Um, so we, we still kind of internally go by our working title, which was T-Mobile Marketing Solutions. And basically, we are the ad tech arm of T-Mobile. Interesting. So I want to start off with a question around marketing analytics, because, you know, I, I think both of us are, you know, being in performance marketing that that is the marketing analytics kind of group, right? It, it, it's just a more general term, um, and so I want to ask about what are some of the biggest misconceptions about marketing analytics? So some of the biggest misconceptions about marketing analytics, uh, you know, teams in general, is is that we're all nerds, right? Uh, over the years uh, working on the agency side. You know, I've had some of the most, the smartest, most dynamic and interesting colleagues. Um, you know, everyone is on the whole really cool. And I don't know if I've just gotten lucky um, or if it's just that, you know, the analytics team kind of tends to attract slightly more eccentric people, which uh, always makes for a fun work day. And, and then, you know, the, the other, you know, big thing is, is that one of the bigger misconceptions is, um, you know, kind of the way that we go around um, doing our work, right? We don't necessarily have a crystal ball into everything that happens on the internet. Um, and a lot of what we do is is modeling, right? Uh, and then it's not also not just cranking out, you know, boring PowerPoint decks for clients. Yeah, so speaking of um, PowerPoint decks and, and presentations, uh, one of the shows that really got me inspired in in a marketing, uh, in, to get into marketing was actually Mad Men, which in retrospect is um, a little bit different than, um, <laughs> than marketing in the 21st century. So I, kind of a fun question, but I want to ask you, is marketing analytics in today's world anything like Mad Men? Unfortunately, no. I'd say the closest we get is in that last season when Harry gets a computer at uh, Sterling Cooper, and he has no idea what to do with it. Um, except these days, you know, we have a pretty darn good idea of what to do with them. Uh, I feel like there are accounts that I've been on, there have been agencies where I've been in where the attitude towards the analytics team is like, we're the shiny new toy that they feel like they have to buy because everyone else has it, and then they don't know what to do with it when they get it. Right, it's like a Ferrari for somebody who doesn't have a driver's license. Um, so you know, I, I think over the last decade of my career, I have watched that um, that attitude and that wall change. Right, and it's really become it, it it's become where you know I, I've been in agencies where analytics, you know, working at Eight Bar on the IBM account, right. Analytics was the beginning, the beginning of everything that we did for you guys, right? All of our media planning was based on a marketing mix model that we maintained, right? So um, 
you know, you've seen this rapid adoption in the last decade and this kind of leveling up of math on the agency side, which is really cool. Um, you know, instead of being the Ferrari that sits in the garage because nobody knows how to drive it, you know, we're out on the racetrack now. Uh, and then depending on who you ask, you know, creative director was, you know, the hot job 20 years ago. And now, uh, you know, data scientist is the hot job. Yeah, that's interesting. So there's, in other words, a lot of potential um, with the latest tools and technology. And it really comes down to, is your organization mature enough to really use it? Yeah, I'd say that's uh, a much more succinct way of putting it. I think, um, you know, one of the, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? Um, agency life, ad agencies in general are incredibly agile and that's by design, right? They can change strategy and turn on a dime. And that's something that, you know, is a necessity of being in a client-driven business, right? Like when your client wants to build an MMM model, you know, that's what you do. Um, you know, and I've had times in my career when, you know, the client has had us spend six months developing a new set of KPIs and rerunning all of our data for the last year and building new dashboards around these new KPIs. And then out of the blue, as we're rolling them out, you know, they decide they want to go back to their old measurement framework, um, which is always a blow to the ego, right? Um, but it also just goes to show you like how much more agile an agency is necessarily, you know, than the client is, uh, you know, that, that specific example was with AT&T, right? So, um, again, a very large, very entrenched in their ways corporation. Um, I like to think that T-Mobile is a bit more agile than AT&T, but we're, we're integrating more and more with the, the rest of T-Mobile at large, which is, you know, great for our bottom line and, and our business raison d'etre, but at the same time, definitely feeling some of the, the bigness, right, that really didn't exist, even, you know, at an Omnicom or a WPP agency where, you know, you are technically part of an 80,000-person company. Yeah, and I, and I imagine that a lot of that integration comes down to selling the value of analytics to the rest of the group, and, and that kind of, like, that cements your place in the organization. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a big part of my role, you know, now that I've kind of moved out of the day-to-day -day and, and moved into leadership is actually like more focused around selling than it is around actually doing analysis, right? Like the majority of my time is spent selling the work of my team, you know, even to just internal partners. Um, which is interesting, right? Like you would think, oh, hey, everyone wants the right answer all the time, right? But when it comes down to it, not everyone's always ready to hear what the actual uh, metrics are for a campaign, right? Um, you know, especially when performance isn't stellar and better than last time. And, you know, there's always going to be a, a fair amount of pushback on, you know, anytime the story is not glowing. So it, it's, it puts you in like a delicate balancing act because, you know, on one hand, you're just reporting facts, right? And on the other hand, um, it's not always an easy pill to swallow. Yeah. So along those lines, 
from a high level perspective, what value does marketing analytics provide to an organization? So I think the, the biggest value that you can get out of you know, a solid analytics team is you know, kind of op- not just in optimizing your media spend, right? But being able to you know, monitor the trends in your spend and monitor the performance of how your how your advertising as efforts and your marketing efforts are working, right? Like when you go and do a DR digital response campaign, your your direct response campaign, you're trying to get somebody on the internet to perform an action, right? And the best way you can make sure that you're spending your money as efficiently as possible is by making sure that you're actually um, staying on top of that, right? And making sure that you have the right audience in programmatic or that you're bidding on the right keywords in search. And, um, you know, doing those things at, at the scale of the modern marketer, right, is challenging. And it's a job that is really tough to do by hand, right? It's a lot of different touch points to manage. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work, right? If you're going to do that all by hand. Um, one of the, the biggest things uh, to come out of, you know, the digital marketing era is scale. Um, I was just talking with my boss yesterday about how, um, you know, we were talking about a magazine that uh, was Mary Claire. Kind of irrelevant which magazine it is, right? But the reach of that magazine is a couple hundred thousand people, right? And the scale that you can drive with, you know, a print ad is just nowhere near what you can get on the internet because, you know, when you're targeting an audience on the internet, you're going to find them anywhere they are on the internet, essentially, right? Which is a very big place. Um, and then being able to do that, you know, programmatically is a huge help. Instead of going and negotiating, you know, hundreds of different deals at CPM rates with different publishers, you know, that's all happening, you know, in near real time by computers. And I think, you know, having the ability to program said computers to do what you want them to do is hugely important. Um, in any organization, right? But especially one where decisions are being made, you know, split second by uh, by machines, right? Like you have to be able to teach those machines what to do and when to do it in order to, you know, be successful in, at the scale that we work with today. Yeah, that's interesting, and it, and it also and there's another benefit too for going onto the internet for reaching your audience, which is you can tell when they've seen your ad. And that's very different than print because a lot of the times, you know, you see the subway ads and they have to put a custom code, you know, enter in code subway. And why do they do that? It's because that's the only way they could know (laughs) besides a a attestation that like, where did you hear from us? That's the only way to know that that ad was getting conversion. And so there's like a really big block in the ability to analyze the effectiveness of print ads versus on the internet. So you are more in a leadership position in a marketing analytics organization. For somebody who's kind of interested in getting into this uh, kind of job, where can you go with the skill set in marketing analytics? I mean, you can go everywhere, right? 
Um, I actually found my way into marketing analytics after working in finance. Um, you know, I, I did corporate strategy for a major bank that's, you know, actually older than this country, um, which is kind of fun. Uh, if working in a bank building org charts is fun. Um, but at the same time, you know, that laid the, the kind of quantitative driven numbers driven approach that is so fundamental to being successful in analytics and something that, you know, I, I was a mechanical engineer as an undergrad, um, kind of just something that's near and dear to my heart, right? It's just being quantitative in nature, um, and just being on, on the, uh, the kind of the numbers guy. Right. And it was always really funny. My, my boss, when I worked in banking would always like give me a hunch to investigate. And more often than not, he was right, but he would never actually do the math. Um, that always fell on me, which was really fun. So, you know, it's interesting. Like you can take these skills, right? It's the same skills that I used in finance and, and use them in any number of different, um, Industries, You know, I think closest to an analytics team in an agency would be like management consulting, right? Um, you know, I even interviewed for a couple of consulting gigs over the years, and ultimately I didn't feel like traveling 80% of the time. <laughs> um, you know, I do a lot less travel on the agency side. Um, and then, you know, as I kind of look back at who my clients are, you know, all of those clients have been you know, not all of them, but a, a very large portion of them have had roles in agencies um, at one point or another in their career, right? Not necessarily on the analytics team, but, um, you know, even, even my analytics clients were former agency people. So it's interesting to see kind of where people go. It, it, it's everywhere, right? It could be internal uh planning and analytics teams, you know, it could be at like, now I'm in ad tech, right? Leaving the agency world. Um, obviously Google and Facebook, you know, have hired plenty of my, my former peers over the years. Um, and you know, I, I think kind of big tech is definitely a big ad, you know, big tech, ad tech, um, consulting, there's all sorts of different paths you can take. Yeah. I, I recently read that, um, accounting was one of the most popular backgrounds for CEOs. Do you think that an analytics background is the new um, kind of winning background to become a CEO? I don't know. Um, that's a really good question, actually. Uh, one of the things that, you know, kind of one knock against marketing analytics um, is I haven't met any agency CEOs who were on the analytics team when they were junior. Um, that said, analytics teams haven't really existed for, you know, more than the last 15 years or so on the agency side. Um, and I have yet to hear about a chief data officer who got bumped up to CEO at, you know, a major corporation. So, um, you know, I, I'm unaware of it happening yet, but I do think it will. Right, I think that you're going to take that quantitative mindset um, and that kind of doer mentality, and you're you're going to see that as people rise through the ranks. You know, just because analytics is kind of one of those more recent 
younger fields to specialize in, I think that you're going to see a lot more of that, um, you know, in the next 10 years or so. I think so too. There was something that my vice president said once that really sunk in with me, which was he wasn't a marketer doing analytics. He was an analytics professional and then applying that skill set to marketing. And that difference meant a lot to me because that that speaks to the core of kind of what you're talking about, about why this is so such a, um, I, I guess, uh, translatable skill set, um, because it's it's quanti- it's quantifiable. It's about understanding the human side, the implication of the activity, and then making decisions based on that. Yeah, I think that's a really succinct way to put it. I think one of the bigger kind of points of, you know, taking an analytics background and and doing something else with it, you know, one thing that uh, I remember when I was an undergrad, you know, doing mechanical engineering, you know, back then it was like if you had a, a bachelor's in mechanical engineering and you could fog a window, you could get a job on Wall Street, right? Um of course, I then graduated in 2008, and that didn't happen. Um, but it was a really interesting mindset. And then even when I did eventually land a job in finance, you know, that kind of was a something that my boss said was a, a big reason he hired me is because he's like, I don't need you to know how to do weighted average cost of capital or anything like that. It was more being able to think independently and take complex problems and break them into their component parts effectively is more important than anything else. And I think that's, you know, that's a key tenet of any kind of analytics um, workflow, right, is what you're doing is you're taking a very complex, very large question, right? Like, did my marketing dollar have any impact for my campaign, right? And then you have to break that down into its component parts, figure out um, how to best model that because you're never going to be able to capture, you know, the neural interactions in somebody's brain that goes into making a decision, right? So the best you can ever do is coming up with some kind of model of, you know, if you do this, then that happens, which is a really interesting kind of way to live, right? Like you don't actually deterministically know why anybody does anything, but you can um, remove as many extraneous variables as you can and then compare the results of one against another, right? And, and you can kind of look at trends over time to see, you know, if I pull back spend and display, does search pick up, right? Stuff like that and it would actually be the inverse there, but... Um, kind of that's the that's the interesting part of it right is like you get to kind of sit down and approach these these complex problems and break them into little uh you know our our president at eight bar used to love going around saying uh bite-sized chunks right and that's really what you do in any kind of engineering discipline whether it be mechanical engineering uh you know computer engineering like the entire principle of object-oriented programming and coding right is you build a very small bit of code that does a very specific task. And then you can go 
in and out of that piece of code, right, with another small piece of code. And each object that you do has a very specific job. Um, and then you layer a bunch of them in together, and that way you're only making little bite-sized pieces of your overall algorithm or problem that you want to solve. Um, and that kind of ends up netting you you know, results that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do another way, right? Like, because because if you tried to, like, like even, even like, let's simplify the example and go into Excel, right? If you try and write an equation in Excel to calculate anything with like 20, 30, 40 inputs, right? It's always gonna be easier to build a model where you have 10 or 20 cells that you can enter numbers in and then have the math all happen somewhere else, right? Instead of going into that one long string and changing numbers. Um, and, and that's kind of how all of this stuff works, right? It's you just take a little piece of the question and then you solve just that little piece, one piece at a time until you've come up with your answer for everything. What is the best personality type for... Um, a marketing analytics professional like what's you know if you were to say who typically is successful what kind of temperament um, and, and such what would you say you know when I'm hiring these days generally I look for you know somebody who has good communication skills you know my, my biggest thing is that I want somebody who can not only sit there and write some code but explain why they chose the algorithm that they did or um, explain why they made some of the, the assumptions that they did, right? And be able to do that to non-technical business-minded users and, 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 you know, being able to communicate effectively is so important these days, whether it's, you know, with a sales team or just, you know, senior leadership. It's, it's definitely um, important to be able to not only convey uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it, but like why it's cool, right? Like I was just on a, a call with a, a client call and um, we were talking about building some custom audiences based off of signals that, you know, we only recently got access to. Um, and it's really cool. Like, and my, you know, and it really turned into like I was like the hype guy in the corner for my account guy going like, guys, this is like really awesome, right? Like this is something that we haven't done before for any of our other clients. This is something that makes you special, right? And you know, clients, other other things, right? Everyone loves to hear that they're special, right? Everyone loves to hear why they're special, and you know, one of the coolest parts of being on the analytics team is that you get to do cool stuff for your clients and then tell them that you did cool stuff for them, which is always really fun to be able to do and say, right? Like, one, hacking your way through analyses and algorithms is interesting and, and fun, right? But then the, the flip side of that is being able to build excitement for what you're doing and kind of somebody who actually enjoys figuring things out is, I think, the most important thing for me, right? Like, if I leave an interview with a junior candidate and they are like, and I'm, I'm like pumped, right? Because like they got into one of the answers. I think that is more important for me 
than, you know, hard technical skills, because that can always be trained. That can always be learned, right? Like, you know, Udemy or whatever is like 40 bucks a month. No big deal, right? We can, we can always deal with that. Um, but the thing that you can't train is just a baseline inquisitive nature, right? Like you want somebody who's going to go in and question everything. You want somebody who's going to get excited about their job day to day. Because at the end of the day, you're sitting, at, you're, you're sitting there staring at lines of code, probably with a black background so it looks cool, right? But at the, at the same time, like, it's frustrating to sit there and write Python scripts all day. It doesn't always work, and you're going to spend an hour and a half hunting down that misplaced comma, right? And then you're going to be kicking yourself when you finally find it. So, you know, it, it takes somebody who has a certain amount of perseverance to to be able to stick through kind of debugging their own code and the humility to realize that computers only do what you tell them. So it's not the computer's fault that your script doesn't work. It's your fault, right? Um, and then, you know, it's, it's really fun, right? Um, and being able to share that excitement, I think, is incredibly important. And, and that's honestly what I, I look for the most. So to, to, to close out the discussion around uh, the career side of marketing analytics, what are the biggest drawbacks of a career in marketing analytics? You know, I, I think the biggest drawback to me is that, you know, I haven't met any agency CEOs who came up from analytics, right? I haven't heard... You know, like the, the ultimate growth path is, is really eventually kind of you're the head of data or the head of analytics or the chief data officer, right? And, and, and that's as high as it goes. Um, unless you start out on your own, right? And you're doing like an analytics consulting business. Um, I really don't see a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 analytics people rising into the C-suite beyond the analytics function. Not that, you know, the analytics function has a C-suite role in most Fortune 500 companies yet. I've seen a lot of stuff in, like, the Wall Street Journal that, like, data is the new gold or data is the new oil, right? Like, all that stuff. And it's pretty hyperbolic and, you know, newsy. But at the same time, yeah, like, companies are generally sitting on massive troves of data that has a lot of value, right? And have only begun to, to start uh, monetizing and, um, and, and realizing the potential of, you know, what they can do with that data. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'm curious to see what, what ends up happening with the career trajectory as marketing and analytics matures um, as, as a field. Yeah. And I, I think it's also really interesting. Like, you know, you see a lot of, um, marketing analytics as a separate division within analytics, um, at a lot of companies, right. When it's the same skill set, and oftentimes dealing with way larger data problems. Um, one of the things that, you know, kind of always struck me coming from finance is, you know, the bid ops fire hose that we deal with for programmatic is way bigger data than, you know, the entirety of the financial markets go through every day. So there's a lot of um, really interesting 
computer science problems to solve in the marketing world. Just because of the sheer scale of you know, advertising on the internet. That's so interesting. That just made me realize marketers... Uh, so, so programmatic marketing is very similar to high-frequency trading in the sense that you are training a computer to make many very small decisions um, in just a second. And it's, it's taking over in a sense. It's, 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 um, it's growing because that is a really scalable approach to marketing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like think about it, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, if you worked in ad agency as a media buyer, you spent all day on the phone calling magazines and newspapers and radio stations to, to, you know, negotiate an IO and, you know, you would reach your audience by who read that, that magazine, right? You want to reach people who are mildly outdoorsy, you call golf magazine, right? Um, now you can basically target those audiences, not basically, you can, you can target exactly who you want. You can even look at your own first party behavioral data and use that to figure out who your best customers are and then build a statistical model that's a lookalike of your best customers and use that to figure out you know, who you should be targeting on the internet because guess what? Oftentimes your best customers aren't who you intuitively think they are. Um, or on the flip side, you might have a lot of people who are completing a, a DR metric in your campaign, right? Like let's say you have an app and you're trying to you know, get people to use your app. You might be driving uh, downloads at a really sustainable, you know, good cost per download. But then when you start to look at your engagement data, the story could be totally different and you could be driving, you know, the entirely wrong audience to your app. And great, you know, maybe they're susceptible to, to downloading it, but they're not necessarily going to use it. And, you know, sometimes that app, is, you know, you would think if you're an app based company, the, the more that people use your app, the more money you make. Right. So being able to link your marketing activities to business outcomes is, you know, a huge challenge that I think has gotten to a point somewhat recently that, like, a lot of the clients I've worked with don't even bother attempting to do it. Um, or if they do, you know, it's in a very limited capacity. Yeah, I, I want to ask a last question. What metrics can you use to prove that, marketing analytics is valuable to the organization? That's a really interesting question, right? Um, because you can't always say like, oh yeah, our, our KPIs went, you know, our, our cost per new customer went down by 10% ever since we started having the marketing, te the analytics team involved, right? Because likely the the marketing team the marketing analytics team is the one setting the KPIs right so there's a, a fair amount of like grading your own homework so that's a bit of a loaded question um, you know it, it's interesting to see like year over year change is always a really good way to look at things um, using older existing KPIs is also always a good way to to look at things when it comes to to that I think that a really good um, 
a good way to handle it is like you have the marketing analytics team outside of the regular marketing work, right? Like you have it separate from the activation team so that they're kind of not attached to whether or not a campaign performs well. And then that nets you kind of that somewhat third party independent measurement, right? Where you have somebody else within the org who the the marketing team is accountable to, right? That isn't vested in necessarily your isn't necessarily vested in the outcomes of the campaigns, but is more vested in, you know, accurately tracking, measuring and, and providing some accountability around media spend, right? Or or just marketing spend in general. Um and I think that's the real value add, right? Is that you have an independent party who will make objective recommendations and, and decisions around campaign performance. And that's really that's really hard to measure, right? Because, again, there are so many variables at play, it's, it's kind of impossible to tell, um, you know, when things are going to are going to change, right? Or, or what changes you made actually changed it. It could be um, something you did or it could be something, you know, the, the overall market changed that changes the way that your media performs. So, um, you know, that's a, a really tricky question to answer. Yeah, really interesting. Well, I want to thank you again, Peter, for coming on. This has been a really great discussion. Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.